Welcome to PR for Humans with me, Mike Sargent, the show for the best communicators in the business. In each episode, I'll be listening to their secrets and stories using their insights in the book I'm writing about leadership communications. Do follow me on Twitter at PR for Humans, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Visit my website, sergeantleaders.com. You spell sergeant just like the police and the army do. Today, we've got Nick Barron, one of the stars of the London corporate PR scene. Nick cut his teeth and helped build Edelman's powerful UK business. A few months ago, he moved to MHP. Not quite Edelman big, but pretty chunky nevertheless, as deputy CEO. We met up to reflect on the changing nature of the world of communications. Nick, here we are in MHP. Hi. And you arrived here a few months ago, so how's it going? Uh, it's been great. I've had a. Everyone's been very nice to me since I got here. It's been very busy. Um, I thought um, Edelman was busy, uh, or my previous employer, and that I would have. Uh, you know, my my first job would to get would be to get busier, but um, I, it, it it was pretty intense from day one. So it's been it's been good. I like to keep myself busy. Yeah, and Edelman, obviously a huge um, global agency, and MHP. I mean, big. I guess by UK standards, or you know, yeah, upper so tier, it, But but what what are the differences? Um, well, so as you say, MHP is a is a biggish agency by UK standards. We are um, about 150 people in in London. Um, we have offices in in Hong Kong and Singapore also. Um, but uh, by the standards of Edelman, it's a relatively modest operation. Uh, the differences are um, um, really about. Obviously, firstly, the international network is very is, is very different. It is it is different working as um, working without access to sixty seven offices worldwide. There are pluses and minuses to having the freedom to work with best in class partners uh, wherever you like in the world, um, but not to be able to draw on you know familiar friends and uh, colleagues around the world from from within a network. So that, that's the, the probably the first big difference. The se- second big difference is really around. Um, uh, scale of uh, bre- breadth of expertise. So there are one or two areas in which you know a large agency will have um, you know a wealth of resources in terms of people who dealt with different issues, different types of media or other stakeholders. And if you know an agency well well enough, if you've been there long enough, you know which strings to pull on and how to, to, to find the right people to help you get the right answers. So that is an advantage of an agency of, of very large scale. Um, at MHP, however, we have to pick our battles better. We have to um, know which areas we want to be really strong in. We have exceptionally good people in health and financial services and capital markets, I mean, brand, in, in brand and design. So we have our own strengths, but we have to know which strengths to play to rather than try and be all things to all people. Yeah, and that, that's a common problem in, in a PR agency, isn't it? When a client says, well, can you do this? And you say yes, um, whether you're in a pitch or whether you're just in the, the monthly meeting. And then you go away and figure out how to do it. And Obviously, you can't be good at every bit of what organisations need to communicate effectively. No, and it's liberating to be in a, in a place where you don't have to pretend, uh, pretend to be. Um, we are lucky to be part of um, a group like Engine, where there are some, there are some really high-quality um, sister, sister agencies that we can work with. Uh, but also, we have the freedom to find best-in-class partners, whether it's internationally or to provide certain types of skill set or, or expertise. And so p- part of the job, part of my job, part of our job is to develop new partnerships and really find really interesting talent doing really interesting things who, who we can work, work together with and, and yeah. find the best answers. So, so, so 
you know, part of it is building the right team here, and part of it is finding the right people to Build, work building with. an ecosystem, building of, an ecosystem of, of like-minded of, companies of, of, of and teams, and partners, and people, yeah. wherever they happen to be in the world, whatever yeah. that they happen to to be doing, which yeah. is which is a good approach. What about the team here at MHP? I mean, what 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 approach is? I mean, I know it's we're under we're under new management, we've got a new CEO, and you, you've you've come in as well. Um, what kind of team are you looking to build? What are the qualities of, of a great agency team? Do you think? Um, well, I'm happy to say. Uh, genuinely um, believe we have a really great team here. I think in terms of the individuals we have within the company, uh, extremely high quality. They know their stuff. I'm constantly impressed by the level of expertise they have in their chosen field. Um, uh, you know, some re- really really world-class experts. Also, um, people who really know the media really well. We've got very good, uh, a lot a lot more ex-journalists than I, I've been used to working with, and that's been interesting working Is that with. a good thing? It, it, it <laughs> is a good thing. Uh, no, it is a good thing. We, uh, we weeded out the good ones. Um, but no, people who really understand how the media works, who have fantastic relationships and, um, uh, and, and profile of their own, and also great storytellers in their own right. I mean, again... Journalists used to be hired for their ability to, you know, access, you know, networks yeah. of, of media, and today it's much more about can they tell a, tell, can they tell a story, you know, di- directly to end audiences. Can they are, can they help clients understand how to tell their own story? Uh, and, and working with people who've done that at the highest level is is, for, is actually it's interesting, really and it's a subject dear to my um, heart. And I guess you know, ten fifteen years ago, agencies were stuffed full of ex journalists, and now you look at some agencies and they don't have any journalists. And so, I mean, what ha, do, do journalists usually make a good transition into this world? Uh, I mean, in my experience, the people who found it easier tended to be former broadcast journalists because broadcast journalism tends to be more of a team sport. Um, and agencies, you know, you, just to return to your original question, what makes a um, what makes a good team um, is people who understand how to collaborate. And if you've worked in broadcasting, you 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 know, no one's an island, and you have to learn how to work with others to get your to get the right stories, get create a great piece of content written. You know, people coming from a, a, a written um, background tend to be a little bit more. Uh, self-sufficient, and that makes it harder to be at work, uh, make the transition into into to a team environment. Um, but I think people who are hungry to learn and int- you know interested in in the industry, interested in the craft of PR and communications, rather than looking for a way out, uh, simply yeah. looking for a way out of journalism. <laughs> or, or, or a minor pay rise. Uh, yeah, um, uh, yeah, or or exactly. Or think, or think it's going to be their, their their big payday after mm. after years of doing their thing. No, no, really it's, a hard, it's a hard transition. Um, I think those are the people who make it make it well. Yes, and whereas journalists are terrible at, um, at documents and, and spreadsheets and, and PowerPoint. Um, sometimes, sometimes they can cut through and yeah. find the story, the essence of the story, which 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 is interesting because it did, did strike me in the, the, the years that I've been in PR, three three and a bit years now, um, that that bit, if anything, is becoming even more important. The sort of storytelling bit, yeah. um, and 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 less important perhaps is is you know the media contacts and being able to pick up the yeah. phone to. A, you know, a city journalist or whatever, but although it's still... It used to be our job to make a story just interesting enough, but also just banal enough that any journalist would take it, be sufficiently interested, but also see the opportunity to turn it into something of their own. Um, If we are talking more directly to our own, to audiences, creating more content for owned and social channels, um, then we have to be able to tell a good story ourselves. And whilst, you know... We always give journalists a hard time about their need to adapt. I think PR people need to adapt, and that means sometimes you know we have a habit. PR people often have a habit of killing interesting content with 
precisely those kind of flow charts and mm. um, presentations and so on um, that you were just talking about. You know, we have to cut through the noise and just give uh, and present clients and ultimately audiences with just really interesting stuff. Mm. Here are our ideas. Here's our point of view. Um, here's some interesting facts and evidence to support what we believe. Um, and we're here to share it with you. That's that that is the essence of our job, uh, for the most part. And uh, sometimes we lose sight of that in our sort of um, in a in a in a barrage of internal documents. And I guess things have changed. You know, going back to the skill set that an agency um, needs, and, and very often it's the people who can spot stories and develop stories and tell stories. Um, that's a different set of skills and, and, and experiences to the person who maybe has just got the great contact book who happens to um, know a whole bunch of MPs or, or know a whole bunch of journalists and works to maintain those networks, although those people, I guess, are still important to have, the black book people. Well, I think it's important to know who to go to, who are the influential people in any debate, um, who are the um, most influential voices in terms of the audience you're trying to reach, um, and how they like to... they like you know to receive stories how they uh, how they want to work in terms of pure access sort of pay to play sort of black book smoke filled room access i think that is much less an important part of, of the job today i think but nonetheless knowing who the influential voices are and how to work with them is always going to be an important part of our skill set i think in terms of the way we tell stories you know at, the, the nature of storytelling is changing so we need people who think much more visually um, understand how you know um, how to engage people in a in, in, in a social environment uh, and how to create wonderful experiences which help to take people on a journey all of those kinds of qualities and so not only people from a journalistic background but also people from um, you know all kinds of sort of other other aspects of the creative industries are an important part of this sort of storytelling mix for an agency. These yeah, days. and when we come to you know the, the old question of how, how on earth do we measure the value of, of, of PR? Mm-hmm. And in in the past, maybe a client you could put the newspaper in front of them and say, "There's your there's your coverage, there's your few inches of column or whatever it is." And now, in a way, it's harder, but in a way, there's all sorts of ways digitally of tracking what's going on and, and measuring it and. Have you found the holy grail of, of PR measurement yet? Um, if I your... did, I'd be a, <laughs> a very rich man. I think, um, uh, look, there are lots of tools, there are lots of ways of measuring it. I don't think, I think once upon a time the problem was that there were no satisfactory metrics. Now I think there are lots, there are plenty of satisfactory metrics, but um, the challenge for us is not to measure the. Um, the outcomes but really to measure the impact and quantify the impact of our work that is more difficult when you are doing quite often quite specialist work and many many sort of aspects of mhp's work or pr industry more generally is not about mass engagement it's about targeting particular audiences and building long-term relationships which are of value but perhaps hard to quantify over a short uh, short period of time you know quarterly sales figures don't necessarily reflect the impact of a, a really well-run um, public affairs uh, campaign, but um, you know, more and more we're being asked to solve business problems. We're being asked to help uh, reposition a company, attract talent, um, um, you know, uh, solve a regulatory um, uh, challenge of some sort, and and that's that's the re- that's really that's where it gets really exciting. Mm-hmm. Our ability to highlight the actual impact of our work yes. rather than simply measure measure some arbitrary set of uh, 
outcomes. Yeah, and, and in terms of media coverage, I would just say never underestimate the psychological impact of a piece of physical coverage or a broadcast slot. Um, the, the, it's, you know, digital metrics are wonderful, but you know, CEOs still love to see, yeah, particularly CEOs see a, a, a piece generation. of coverage they can <laughs> put on their desk. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, so lots of different ways to, to reach audiences. And it actually, it was one of the big surprises to me coming to, to PR uh, from a world of the BBC where audiences ran into the millions to actually find that some business leaders were mainly interested in what 20 individuals thought about them, whether in their own team or investors or, or people at Westminster. And I think that, that point about putting audiences at the heart of, of, of what you do is... is I suppose what I've learned over the past three years to really think about who you're trying to reach and why. And, and, and PR without those objectives is pretty pretty empty uh, pursuit. Yeah, we, we always try to start with the audience. We, um, um, you know, we rewrote an entire uh, deck recently because we hadn't really given due consideration to the audiences. We hadn't spent enough time thinking about... Um, who we were trying to influence, who was the most important audience. We had you know, a whole range of audiences that we were sort of thinking about, and then we sort of scrapped all that and said, well, actually, which is the one audience that really matters mm. and what's our programme for them specifically? Um, so, yeah, starting with the audience ought to be the golden rule of, uh, of any PR strategy. Yeah. And so, I mean, you, how long were you at Edelman? Just, uh, I, was there, I was there for 12 years. 12 years. Mm-hmm. And in, in that time, I, I guess you saw quite a lot of changes in the, in the PR world. Yeah. What, what, were the, what were the sort of notable ones and, 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 and sort of key moments of, I suppose, learning for years to, you know, how the industry's really changing or has changed? So, uh, well, I mean, it's got a lot more interesting is the, is the, over that last over the last twelve years, when I started, I didn't imagine that I would still be doing this job uh, thirteen years later. Um, if if the job was still a matter of trying to find, um, you know, looking at the, the you know, when I when I started, I mean, you know, my first account was really a, a client who was focused on just trying to get a bit of coverage once a month in as many of the you know the nine national newspapers mm. uh, of record as possible and I think if I was still doing that 13 years later I would be um, um, ready to retire to a, to a farm or something and, and, and completely change careers mm. I think the fact today that the challenges that P- um, PR firms are asked to look at are, are much more interesting and, multi- uh, and, and varied the fact that the tools available to us and the solutions available to us are much more um, complex um, and, and uh, interesting and the, 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 the people you get to work with are much more interesting you know the fact that um, you know one of the big changes that you could observe at Edelman and to a certain extent here, here, here at MHP is that the people coming into the industry, the people who are working at those firms, are of a much broad have a much broader skill set. You know, mm-hmm. research talent, uh, production, design, uh, people from advertising backgrounds, people from you know, traditional journalism backgrounds. All in, you know, all brought together under one roof to try and solve a problem together. That's a much more inspiring environment to be part of. Yeah, I mean, I often find it quite difficult to explain to people what what PR is in its in its sort of modern incarnation. And I mean, do you do you have a? And some people will say, well, it's it's ultimately about reputation. Um, is that a view that you that you share? That, that whatever you do, however you do it, um, that's that's the goal ultimately. Is is, is preserving and building reputation. Um, 
No, I, I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't really subscribe to that. I mean, look, I come from a corporate reputation background. Clearly, I believe that reputation uh, is very, very important. But sometimes you just want to sell a product. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need a um, a policy outcome. And clearly, reputation is a tool to achieve that goal, but it's not the only tool. Um, you know, there are. Um, you know, this is. A, um, if you if you only look at you know the challenge with a single kind of metric, what for, for, from a single perspective, whether that be reputation or trust or any other sort of single metric, you're you're you're, you're going to have a rather you're going to have a very narrow view of the challenge. And sometimes the reputation is not the, 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 it's not the end goal. It is perhaps a useful tool to achieve what you're really trying to do. Yeah, yeah. And that's important to be clear about what the, what the real sort of often commercial objectives are and be, yeah. be, quite, be quite straight with that, about that. Um, let's talk about this, this market in London of, 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 of PR and, and communications and whatever you want to call it. Um, very competitive landscape still. How does a business like MHP sort of differentiate itself? I mean, what, what, how, how, how do you go about sort of standing out? Does, does, does a PR agency have a brand identity? I mean, I guess yes is the answer, but, but it is still just a collection of individuals who are doing things to try to help clients. So, I mean, what, what is, what is, I suppose what I'm trying to ask is what, what is the essence of, of MHP? What are you trying to, trying to build here? So... Um it, whether whether an agency can have a have an essence, absolutely, I think it, it is. The best agencies are not mere collections of individuals. Um, um, they have a clearly defined point of view about about the communications landscape and the challenge that uh, that represents. Uh, they have an approach, um, and uh, they have a, um, a a culture which is aligned around that um, around that sort of philosophy. Um, MHP is, you know, this year is going to be a, a key year for us in terms of defining who we are to the outside world. I think we've done a lot of work in the last year, really, to define who we are internally. But um, you know, as you say, it's a very competitive landscape, and the year ahead, we are going to be telling our story much more um, uh, aggressively, much more actively to the market in terms of how we approach problems and why we're better than our competition. Yeah, and, and it is competitive. And, and one of the things that fascinated me um, about my three years in an agency was the whole the whole pitching process. You know, preparing for for pitches and and sort of on the day pitches. You know, it was, a, it was a bit like being an episode of The Apprentice at times. And you know, getting a collection of people together to uh, to go and, and stand in front of a group of senior people you'd never met before and, and, and sell them an idea. What, what what what's your experience of what makes a good a good pitch. I mean, how, how do you actually go about winning business in a, in a competitive environment? Is it all is it all um, kind of sewn up in advance by the contacts and relationships you have already, or is there a kind of have you been? You must have been involved in a lot of pitches where on the day you've just performed well and, and won the business through your pitching. Well, the best um, pitch process is one you never have to go through. Yes, um, <laughs> you know, go, to go back to you know the value of a strong brand in the marketplace. Uh, there are times when a client just wants to work with you. They know because they've worked with you in the past and they have a good understanding of how you approach a problem or because they believe you the, the approach you will take um, 
is the is the right one and therefore they don't need to go through a beauty parade of you know five or ten agencies and you know by the time you get to the sort of five to ten agency um, scale of pitch it becomes a, a lottery almost and yes you can very time consuming it becomes incredibly time consuming um, there are so many uh, imponderables and variables in, in the process you know did you know how are they feeling are they getting bored by that point in the in the day yeah Friday uh, afternoon do they like yeah. the, do they like the look of you do, yeah. you know did they like the biscuits they got when they came in? <coughs> At that point, it's very difficult to say with any certainty what wins a, what wins a pitch. Um, the my philosophy in terms of successful uh, putting together a successful pitch is to try to say something interesting, mm. you know, as quickly as possible. Just be interesting. Here's our point of view on your challenge. We've been doing some thinking about you and the, and the problem you've set us, and this is what we think the right answer is. And here's how we might bring it to life. To, cut through all of the other noise that a PR agency or any consultancy likes to sort of clutter the um, a clutter up the pitch process with and just to say something interesting yes um, easier said than done but that's that, that is what I believe um, most clients are looking for I mean I've been uh, client side I started my career on the client side and I'm incredibly wary of uh, ever going in with a sort of novelty pitch process. So um, when I was at the Football Association, uh, every agency that came to see us would sort of say, well, this is going to be an agent, uh, this is going to be a pitch of two halves, or, you know, they would introduce themselves, you know, dressed in their football kit or whatever. Yeah. Unbearable. And, <laughs> and you've seen every permutation of the, yeah. <laughs> of the football-themed pitch uh, that you ever, uh, ever want to see. And, um, and, I'm, and I sort of feel like most clients are probably in that same category of having seen it all before from agencies mm. and just want to be told something interesting um, you know wading through long documents sitting there hour after hour as um, agencies say much the same thing to them uh, must be incredibly excruciating it must be excruciating for them so I, I try to say something interesting yeah no that's good that's good advice say something interesting be able to justify it, even if, it, if what you end up yes. doing is is rather different as it sometimes is and, and I always thought try and, try and have a conversation with people yes, and not just absolutely. present at them for an hour because I yeah. don't think those pitches in my experience limited as it is you never you never win um, let, just finally I mean, if, if someone was coming to you for, for advice they were thinking of um, embarking on a career in the PR industry or in the communications industry uh, what would you tell them now I mean what what, what, what are you going to need to survive and thrive you think in this industry over the next um, 10, 20, 30 years even. I mean, what, is, it, is it just that kind of hunger for information that, that people often talk about? Or what, uh, what do you think? What, would, what do you look for in, in, in yeah. the future? So, I mean, firstly, I find it terrifying. If you see the, the calibre and educational um, backgrounds of some of the people coming into the industry now, the people come through our graduate scheme, um, all those of, not, uh, no doubt, some of our competitors... You know, they've all got amazing degrees, often several degrees, uh, worked in you know amazing uh, track record of, sort of work experience and internships and so on. Versus when I began my career, when you know if you had a you know uh, degree in you know PR from the University of Sunderland, that would that would, you know guarantee yeah. you a job at most <laughs> PR agencies. Yeah. Um, so this, the bar has got uh, got a lot higher. Um, Unfortunately, I would say often remuneration hasn't uh, followed suit, and, um, and uh, I think our industry still pays um, too little at uh, sort of entry level mm. for um, you know 
particularly given how sort of London-centric the industry is, uh, it's increasingly difficult for young people to afford to um, work in our industry when they first start. So I think that's a problem we all have to address. Um, but more, but to the question about sort of what skills you need over the longer term, uh, I can only hope and assume that um, AI will start to um, replace some of the kind of administrative work that we do. Um, and uh, that will mean that the, the that will allow us all to spend more time focused on um, uh, you know, the craft of storytelling, uh, the art of client management. I think client management as a skill is often under uh, underemphasized by mm-hmm. our industry. We are not in the PR business; we're in the client service business, and sometimes people forget that. Um, and um, um, and I think uh, the I think, as you say, having a wide set of interests and the ability to join the dots between two completely unrelated challenges on paper, but to understand that you know, this client over here had much the same problem as this client over here, this is how they solved that problem, that might be an applicable solution for this client uh, too. That kind of breadth of insight and knowledge is really useful, but also um, having uh, having some depth. I mean, you know, we always talk about T-shaped individuals, and I think you know, having that breadth of thinking and an interest in a wide variety of subjects, but also a specialism, whether that be in client management, uh, storytelling and journalism, um, uh, planning and insights, digital, whatever it might be, having having a specialism is going to be increasingly important, particularly at that sort of early to mid-stage of your career. I think once you, um, you know, progress to the senior ranks, then it becomes um, about a broad set of strategic, um, you know, strategic thinking. Um, but T-shaped individuals, I think, are the future of our industry. Great. Nick, it's been great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much to Nick Barron, and the very best of luck to him and his new team at MHP. That's it for today. Please do listen in next time to the PR for Humans podcast. Thanks so much for your time. Goodbye.